Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Thrive family. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here uh, on staff, and I'm going to be bringing the word to you today. I'm, I'm super excited for it. Uh, we're on this, this sermon series of Legacy. Um, uh, but first, before we go into that, I, I just want to uh, honor our incredible lead pastors, Pastor Eric and Lori. They can't be here with us, but, but they're watching online. Can you give it up for Pastor Eric and Lori? I know they're here, you, here you online. And man, they are awesome. Pastor Eric uh, couldn't be here this morning because Pastor Lori is not feeling well. And so today, this morning, he's on husband duty. Um, so he's home, uh, but, but he is feeling well. And t- he wanted me to remind you guys that he, that, that October 10th meeting is tonight. Come on, sometimes we don't know the dates. You know what I'm saying? October 10th meeting is tonight. Uh, for all you partners, uh, we're going to have the business meeting here at 5. And, and we really, really want to encourage all of our partners to be here as we embark on, on this next uh, great stage of our church's growth and development. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Pastor Eric is looking forward to sharing all the plans with you guys uh, tonight at 5. So someone say 5. 5. five. Amen. You guys going to be here? Cool. All right. It's going to be uh, awesome, going to be incredible. Um, and today I'm super excited because we're talking about legacy and, and just how perfect, right, legacy with, with this shift and transition and just what God is doing here at Thrive. Um, but today the, 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 the theme or concept is that godly legacy uh, requires love. Godly legacy requires love. And if you guys can all stand with me as, as uh, we read the word, we're going to be reading out of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 and then 8 through 13. And this is Paul, and he says this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Go to verse 8. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You guys may be seated. Amen. What a... What a powerful word. I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to go right in. Jesus, thank you for uh, your word. God, thank you that you meet us with, with, with your grace, with your truth, and, and with your love. Holy Spirit, uh, I, I pray that you would increase today and I would decrease. God, I thank you uh, for the message. Lord, I pray that, that hearts and ears would be open to hear what you have to say, and I pray all the glory would be yours. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I, I, I uh, love this, this passage because it's kind of the, it's such an interesting one. If, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, Paul is, is writing this letter, and in verse, or chapter 12 is kind of all about gifts, right? It's all about the gifts of the Spirit, and chapter 14 is all about tongues and gifts, and, and so he's writing it, and kind of mixed in the middle is chapter 13, where it's entirely about love. If any of y'all are, are married in here and you got married by a pastor, they probably use 1 Corinthians 13 to talk about love. That's like, that's like the pastor go-to, right? It's love is patient, love is kind, right? But, but, but Paul mixes in between these two teachings about giftings, this, this profound teaching on love. And it's really interesting because what he's saying is all of this stuff is good, right? Giving to the poor, it's good. It's great, right? Prophecy is good. Having the gift of tongues is great. Having the faith to move mountains is incredible, right? Like we preach messages on it. Jesus talked about it. It's all incredible. But he ends it with this, is if you don't have love, you have nothing. Love is like a prerequisite uh, to, to anything else in Christianity, Love is, y'all remember when you were in high school or college and you had to take prerequisite courses? Uh, I, uh, I, I was going to say pre-calculus and calculus, but I never got there. So my prerequisite was algebra one to algebra two, you know what I'm saying? And, and why is that? It's because I could not sustain algebra two if I didn't know algebra one. We cannot, what Paul is teaching is we cannot sustain the gifting if we don't have the love. And love, it, it, Christianity without love is empty. Christianity without love is not actually even Christianity because the Bible says that God is love. So Christianity without love is not Christianity. Jesus came and he was an incredible demonstration of love. What did he say to his disciples? They will know you by your what? Your love. See, we're going in on love today because it's important because I really believe that this is a, a, a huge uh, a time in the history of our church. And man, if Thrive Church doesn't have love, it will be empty. We're called to be a people of love. See, there's this story I want to share with you. I read about it. It's in a, a biography about uh, Leonard Ravenhill. And it's a story that profoundly impacted Leonard Ravenhill. If you don't know him, he's kind of a, a revivalist, lived in the early 1900s incredible. And the book is called In, uh, In Light of Eternity. And it's a story about the founder of Salvation Army. You guys heard of Salvation Army, I'm sure. Um, this man named William Booth. Um, and, and Salvation Army, he would go and they would build these buildings where they would love on the poor and, and they, would, they would sew, they would knit, they would hand out things to the, to the marginalized. Um, and so this particular story is they had built a, a, a building, a Salvation Army, I think they called it office um, in the early 1900s outside of, in a small town outside of London. And, and there were these two sisters um, named Kate and Mary Jackson, and they were the officers there. They were kind of the ones in charge. Okay. And, and so uh, the story goes, Kate and Mary, um, and this is a true story. They would, they would spin and they would weave cotton all day and all night tirelessly, like the effort for the poor tirelessly spin and weave cotton all day and all night and give it to the poor. And, um, all day, and then they would share the gospel, and to them it seemed like nothing worked, nothing was happening. And so they wrote a letter um, to William Booth. They said, get me the man in charge. <laughs> they wrote a letter to William Booth and said, I'm, I'm, this is a quote, this is exactly what they said, would you kindly move us to another station? We are so tired and disheartened, we've tried everything that we've been taught to do, please move us to another location. And William Booth, I love his response. He responded with a telegram, and he responded with two words. <laughs> two very profound words. He wrote back, try tears. 
and they did. Oh, I, hmm, there's something so profound about that response. Try tears. Try love. He responded to this letter from them with two words. Try tears. Try love. And what they did is they began to pray, but not just pray like, Lord, please help. Like, 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 like they really began to travail, and they really began to pray and go after God, and they began to develop a heart and a burden for the people in their city. And what happened was they didn't leave. Is revival shifted. Revival came, and everything in that city shifted. And the the poor were not just taking the handouts, but they were also receiving the gospel. And person after person after person received Jesus because they tried love. See, what's interesting is in the, their very own letter, this is 1 Corinthians 13 come to light. It's we've used our gifts. We've tried everything that we've been taught. Anyone ever been in a situation where you're like, I've tried everything I've been taught? See, if we do everything that we're taught in, the, in, in the, the kingdom or the culture of Christianity, but there's no love behind it, the world can tell. We don't want it to be like a job where it's like, oh, I have to do this. That's, that's dead, dry religion. But when there is tears and when there is prayer and when there is love behind it, things shift. This story is 1 Corinthians 13 come to life. They were missing one thing, love. And that love transformed a city. So can I tell you this morning, the world is not looking for giftedness. They're looking for love. Whether they know it or not, the world is not looking for your gifts and your talents. If they want a giftedness, they go to a concert. They're more gifted than we are. You know what I'm saying? Although our worship team is pretty gifted. But if they want a giftedness, they go watch a comedian. If they want a giftedness, they go look for something else. But the world, whether they know it or not, is looking for love. Sometimes they don't even know it. That's when it's really good. I, uh, when, when, when I first came to Jesus, or I guess technically before I came to Jesus, I was in high school, I was, I was 17 years old, and I remember uh, there was this kid named Victor, and uh, every single day I would walk by him to class, and he would sit on the steps of, of right outside my math class. I guess I'm giving you guys a lot of math stuff. I remember specifically it was math class because I dreaded it, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't calculus, it was algebra one, I still dreaded it. And I remember I would walk by him every single day. And what he would do is he had a guitar. It, it, during the break period, he would sit there and he would sing and he would worship Jesus. And oh, there was something so profound about it. Can I tell you, he had no gifting. Like it sounded awful. Like it, like, it didn't sound good at all. I don't even think, I don't know much about music, but I don't even think he was playing the right chords. Like I was just like, eh, eh, eh. but then he was singing about the love of Jesus. And I could tell, even though he had no gifting that drew me, there was a love and a genuineness that led me to go up to him one day boldly. I am not that bold normally. When I'm preaching, I could be bold, but I was not that bold usually, especially as a 17 year old. You know, we're kind of awkward. And I said, man, what is it about you? Because I know you. We've known each other since we were 12. And this, this is different. See, you and I, we, we, have, we, have, we had sinned together. What is it about you that's different now? And he, I'll never forget, he began to cry. He was so, he was so willing to look foolish in the middle of a public high school that he cried and he started telling me about the love of Jesus. And that moment forever transformed my life. Love leaves a legacy. Come on, you could praise him. He had no practical gifting. All he had was love. If all you have today is love to offer your neighbor, can I tell you this morning that that's enough? 
Oh, but Pastor Matt, I don't know how to sing. Well, neither did Victor. Oh, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. We'll just tell him about the love of God. You don't have to give him a three-point sermon on a PowerPoint. You just need to tell him about what Jesus did, how he died on the cross, how he resurrected on the third day, and how he gives new life, and he gave new life to you. Trust me, they can tell. Because you know what's so interesting about this story is I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking for it, but love found me. Oh, I don't know about you, but Jesus found me when he knew I needed it. I was in a dark, depressed state, and love found me. See, love leaves a legacy. The legacy that Victor left was my life. And guess what happened? I got saved, and then my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, got saved. And now my baby is being raised in church. Do you see what's beginning to happen? The legacy of love. See, love leaves legacy. There's a trail. Can I tell you, it doesn't just stop with my family. Uh, I actually have a friend, he's here right now, named Alex. We used to work together. And man, I I would pray for him. He didn't even know it. You didn't even know it, bro. I would pray for you and pray for you and pray for you. And we would go to lunch. We would go to Chinese food all the time. Uh, I don't even really like Chinese food. I just like the hot and sour soup. I would get a big bowl of hot and sour, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we would go to Chinese food. He had no idea, but I was praying for him and praying for him and praying for him until one day he finally came to this church like three years after I stopped working at this place, and he found it. He's like, bro, I finally found it. And what's so cool is he's here, man, and he's plugged in, and his daughter and his son come here. Can you see the legacy that I'm trying to tell you that Victor's love left a legacy that not just impacted my family, but is impacting Alex's family and every single person that Alex reaches? Come on. See, sometimes we think our lives don't really matter that much. Can I tell you, you don't know the legacy that you're going to reach, the legacy that you're going to leave, the seeds that you're going to sow. I left that job and it's been like three years and then Alex came. I had no idea that he was coming. Can I tell you that when you walk in love, you leave a legacy, whether you realize it or not. Sometimes we look at the exterior. We need to stop looking at the exterior and start looking and praying and seeing what God is doing because God was doing something deeper. God was doing something in here. And if on the outside, I would have looked at it. I would have said, I failed the mission as an evangelist because he didn't come when I invited him. But three years later, he's here. Love leaves a legacy. Love transforms hearts. Love transforms minds. Because the world needs love. I doubt Alex was looking for it either. The world needs it. The world needs you. Let me tell you, this is not some preacher from a platform uh, uh, kind of gospel. When I read the gospel, when I pick up the gospel, it, it's person to person to person to person. The web of Christianity started with the love that Jesus had for us. And it worked its way down person to person to person to person all the way to Little Lathrop, California. I want you to see this because I really think God is going to take us to great places. But the way that it's going to happen is through the love of Christ. Not going to happen through picket signs saying, God hates you. It's going to happen through someone walking up to someone and loving on them when they least expected it. See, love leaves a legacy. Love leaves a legacy because love never fails and it never ends. There's a saying, people never forget. Or people may forget the words you say to them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. People remember. I haven't talked to Victor in like seven years. I remember the way he made me feel. Love leaves a legacy. 
love never ends. Verse 8 tells us this. It says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where are tongues, they passed. They will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. What it's saying is when prophecies, tongues, and knowledge serve their purpose, they will vanish. Because I don't remember the specifics of a prophecy I've received, but I've remembered the way that somebody loved me. Love never fails because God is love and God never fails. Verse 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why, why is love the greatest? You want to know why love is the greatest? It's because it leaves a legacy. It's never ending. When Christ makes all things new and when we are perfected in heaven, we won't need faith. Like, you, you know, you're like, like when you are face to face with him and you're in heaven one day, you will not need faith. You're, you're with him. You'll need faith to get there, but you won't need faith when, uh, to, when you're with him, when you're face to face. Hope, same thing. Hope we won't need when we're with him because he is peace. And when we are with him, we won't need to hope because we're with him. But love never ends. Love, it never ends. It's actually, what's interesting about love is it will be perfected by the time when we get to heaven because we'll be with him face to face without the, the lens of sin. Because sometimes we don't receive love because we view it through a lens of sin. See, we need to understand that love leaves a legacy. But first, before you can leave a legacy, you have to actually receive it. Oh, this is hard for somebody. I'm going to get in someone's kitchen tonight because you've been trying maybe for a long time to, 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 to leave a legacy of love, but you haven't even received love yourself. You can't even look in the mirror yourself. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Until we receive that, we cannot go and love. It will be a false love. The, the, the word love in, in the Greek that, that is used in, in 1 John and, and is used all throughout the Gospels, actually, in all the letters is agape, and it's this unconditional love. You can't give unconditional love based off of if you haven't received unconditional love. You can't give what you don't have. I'm not talking about like hear it, like hear it go through one ear and out the other. I'm talking receive it. You know there's a difference to be, uh, uh, of being in a room with something and actually receiving it? My, uh, my daughter, she, uh, she, she, she loves Christmas and she loves her birthday because um, <laughs> my, 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 my wife's family and my family, um, she was the, she's the first and only, well, now she's not the only, but she was the first grandbaby on both sides. Dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like this girl, I'm like, we have to watch out, make sure she doesn't get spoiled. And around Christmas time, you know, we have the tree and like Grammy's bringing over the presents. And I'm like, Grammy, listen, too many, too many, like, like seven is enough. It's October 27th. You, you know, like, like we don't even have the tree out yet. She begins to, like, we begin to fill around the, the, the presents, and my daughter will be, like, ready for them. She's excited. She's, like, walking around, like, present? Me? Me? For me? Like, she's, for me? Last, last Christmas, she was, she was, she was one. Yeah, wow. See, I told y'all I'm not good at math. She was one last Christmas. So she, she, was, she was one and a half, though, so she can kind of get it. You know what I'm saying? She was like, ooh, present for me. But can I tell you there was a different joy and a different excitement when she opened the present because she received it. 
Oh, she was excited to see him, but receiving it is different. It's like you can be excited in a church service and, and hear about the love of God and like, oh, that's really good, that's really good, but then go home Monday and, and hate yourself again. Go home Monday back into your anxiety and depression because you haven't actually received the gift. It's like some of us need to actually open the box that Jesus is giving us, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Come on, you could praise him if you want. We actually have to open the gift, it, receive it. And then what I love is, is my daughter begins to play with that toy every single day. Can I tell you that we're not called to receive the gift of salvation and the gift of love from Jesus once and then put it down for a week and then pick it back up every Sunday. We're called to walk in this thing every single day. If you want to leave a legacy, you have to do it consistently. If you want to leave a legacy, it has to be day after day after day. If you want to leave a legacy, it has to be something that you're consistent because can I tell you they're watching? Can I tell you the people behind you are watching? Can I tell you the people at your workplace are watching? And if one day you're praising and the next day you're all depressed and you're walking in and you're angry and you're yelling at everybody and you're ripping everybody, they're going to be like, I don't want that. Legacy, leaving legacy is consistent. Leaving legacy requires consistency. Requires it. Requires love, but it requires consistent love. See how, sometimes we're like, how can, I, how can I consistently love when this world is hard? Because this love is supernatural. Because this agape love isn't something that you can muster up. If you're like, man, I try to love people, but I just get angry. It's because you're not walking in agape, unconditional love. You're walking in a love that you can control and you can produce. And what that is, is actually a false love. And what that does is it actually hurts the world. And I've seen Christian after Christian actually hurt the world when we're called to heal the world. I've seen Christian after Christian walk into places or maybe even be afraid to walk into dark places because they're like, ah, I'm going to hurt it. No, no, no. When you walk in light and when you walk in love, you're called to the dark places and you're called to extinguish the darkness. See, I, I, I want to I have altar today. So I, I, if the worship team come up, I, wanna, I got one last point for y'all. One last point. I'm going to end soon. That love is supernatural. I want to read 1 John 4, 7 through 10. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent the, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we could muster it up, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to us. We move in love because God loves us. What Paul is saying is in verse 10 is that we have the supernatural ability to act in love because he ends it by saying we can love. Agape. Not phileo. Agape. We can. Not because of our own will, but because of the cross of Christ and what was imputed to us when we received Holy Spirit. What he is saying is you can love this way. You can but it's not because of what is innately in you. It is because Holy Spirit lives inside of you because of the cross of Christ. 
Sometimes we settle in, the, in this broken sin nature and we say, I just can't love people because I'm sinful. We forget about the second imputation. We forget that Holy Spirit lives inside of us. You can love because He loved you. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you want to supernaturally love, you need to supernaturally know the one who is love. See, some of us don't walk in love because we don't spend time with Him. You can't move in something you don't have. I said that earlier. We need to spend time with Him. You can't know love until you know Him. And you know what I love about this word agape in verse 8? Is, is it's a verb. I See, I wasn't good at math, but I was good at English. A verb causes, is, is, is something that brings action. What Paul is saying is there is an action behind this word. There is something that is connected. There is something that you have to do. There is action behind it. When you love like Jesus loved, it causes you to move. It causes you to go from place A to place B. It causes you like Victor in my life to, to, to go and sit and worship God in front of everybody and not care what the world thinks. It causes you to go from place A to place B. Oh, if we would just catch this and stop just sitting at home, man, 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 stop just sitting and sitting and not allowing God to utilize us and use us in love. Sometimes we just sit at home and say, God, just, uh, I don't know. What do we pray for? I don't know. God, just help them. Help me. Help them. Help me. This is a verb. There's action behind it. God is calling us to go. The world needs us. The world needs you. Because here's the thing. There are people in your life that Pastor Eric and Pastor Chris and, and Pastor Maribel and Pastor Juan and myself, we do not have access to. Bring me around them. I'll share the gospel with them, sure. But there are people in your life that if you share the gospel with them, it will change them more than if I do. You have access to people's lives. They have given you that place. Will you speak the truth to them? They don't want to hear it from a stranger. They need to hear it from someone they've been around. Maybe you're like, well, I sinned with them. Good. I sinned with Victor. It actually increased his message way more. Because I'm like, bro, you are changed. Oh, oh, but Pastor Matt, you don't know what I did with them. That's okay. In Christ, you're a new creation. So show them what that looks like and you might not even have to preach. Because I went up to Victor and said, what is it about you? He didn't even open a word before I went to him because I could see that something was different. Man, with this story, last, last night I was at a Giants game. It was awful. I should have went to game one. doesn't even matter anyways you know just kidding I I, I, uh, I went and I, I'm surprised I haven't gotten a text from Pastor Eric yet um, I might let me check I, I probably did no, I'm just kidding I, I went and I was there and there I, there's 45 the place is packed sold out 45,000 people like standing room only had standing room only like they were selling like like row three of standing room only I'm like how how are you gonna do my wife she can't be doing that she's like 411 you know like we just can't do that we, we had a seat and and, and um, it was packed and I remember every single time something would happen 45,000 people get up and scream and cheer and I remember
remember looking out and I remember saying, oh, what if the church cared this much? Oh, what if the church cared like this? It doesn't, the game doesn't even matter. I've been like, like I, really, because the Giants were losing, it really didn't matter to me. <laughs> I was like, it's just a bat and a ball. But like, like, even if the Giants went, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. What if the church had the passion that a sports fan had? And that's just the beginning. That's step one. That's the bottom of the barrel. Oh, if the church would love their neighbor like they love their sports team. Because I know people, I'm one of them myself, I'll dedicate time to my sports team. I'll go to uncomfortable situations. I'll, I'll sit in a little chair and squeeze around. Don't tell me you're afraid of the uncomfortable when you're a sports fan. Come on. Drunk people all around me yelling, go Dodgers. It's uncomfortable. Oh, we'll go, we'll go to uncomfortable places for, 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 for fleshly things. Will, will the church go to uncomfortable places to reach their neighbor? Will the church go to uncomfortable places to show love to the world? Will the church go to uncomfortable places to rise up and stand up and not be shifted by culture, but to shift culture? You know what else I learned? This is funny. You know what else I learned about legacy at this game? Is uh, my daughter was there with us and she knows nothing about baseball. She's two, give her a break. But every time people would cheer, she was like playing with her puppy. Every time people would cheer, she would stand up and clap. Woo! And she would start saying, let's go giant. Like she would go crazy. Can I tell you, the people and the children are watching. She knew nothing about the game, but when we stood, she stood. But when they cheered, she cheered. She even cheered for the Dodgers. I'm like, stop it, baby. You don't cheer for them. You know, like, like, but she caught something. I'm going to walk like that. What if we walk so much in love that it's not even as much about teaching our children and, and, and teach your children. It, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm a youth pastor. Please help me out. Uh, teach your children. But what if you just show them as well? Some of it is caught, not taught. Sometimes they have to see mom and dad at the altar. We expect our children to transform their lives, but they see you stuck in your same mess and your same cycle. What do you expect them to see? want them to meet at the altar you got to meet at the altar you want them to live transformed you got to be transformed and maybe you're like I don't have kids you want your co-workers to be transformed you be transformed you want your cousins to be transformed you be transformed the church is the light of the world oh if we acted like it and so my prayer this morning is that we would catch a burden greater than any sports fan base would would catch that we would be so burdened for our, for, for our city, for our region, for our nation, for our world, that we would look more rowdy and, 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 and ruckus, I don't know, more crazy than a sports fandom would look. And it, maybe it's not even how it looks, but the way that we live, the way that we walk, the way that we move, that it consumes us. Oh, if we would live transformed. 
So I want to do this. I want to invite you all to stand with me. I intentionally ended a little early so we can have some time. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.